podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we return to our listener library for a suggestion from you, our mysterious listeners. David writes, Hey, fellas, I know you're all Shadow fans. Have any of you heard the episode Out of This World from the Australian version of the series? It's written by my favorite writer, Alfred Bester. In the late 1930s, the Australian government banned the importation of radio recordings in an effort to protect their own radio industry. The ban did not include scripts, though, allowing Australian radio producers to purchase stories from overseas and record them using local talent. The Shadow first appeared on Australian airwaves in 1940. Little is known about the series, other than it reused scripts from the American series and was produced by radio station 4BC in Brisbane. According to Martin Graham's The Shadow, The History of Mystery of Radio program, this early version of The Shadow featured many of the same performers from the Australian adaptation of The Witch's Tale, also produced at 4BC Brisbane. In 1946, Grace Gibson Productions debuted another iteration of The Shadow, once again utilizing scripts from the American production. This series ran from January 1946 to August 1951. The first 53 episodes featured Lloyd Lamble as Lamont Cranston and Lyndall Barber as Margot Lane. Robert Ashley took over the lead in episode 54, The Shadow Returns, and remained in the role until Out of This World, the final story of the series. Out of This World was adapted from Alfred Bester's script, Death is Just Around the Corner. Originally aired in the United States, January 21, 1945, Bester wrote dozens of scripts for The Shadow, many of them recycled from superhero stories he penned for DC Comics. The Man Who Was Death reused elements from Bester's 1941 Batman story, The Strange Case of Professor Radium, while The Man Who Wasn't There recycled his Starman story of the same name, originally written for a 1942 issue of Adventure Comics. In turn, Bester would later lift material from his 1949 shadow script, The Man With No Face, for use in his Hugo Award-winning 1952 novel, The Demolished Man. And now, let's listen to Out of This World, from Grace Gibson's production of The Shadow, first broadcast in Australia, August 30th, 1951. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only voice you hear is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike 
that crime does not pay. who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man of our town. Several years ago in the Orient, Cranston learnt a strange and mysterious secret. The hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today, we feature the shadow in an adventure out of this world. Early morning. The scene, Lamont Cranston's flat. It's all right, I hear you. I'm coming. Commissioner Weston. Good morning, Grantham. Come in. Hey. What are you doing here this hour of the morning? I was investigating a case in this building. Just dropped in for some coffee. All right, come into the kitchen. Thanks, sir. What case, Commissioner? Well, it's a strange business, Grantham. There's been a wave of assassinations hit this city that's got me confused. I don't know where I stand. Assassination? I haven't heard about any murders, either. Well, we've been keeping them hushed up. We've found five men murdered in the last two weeks. Each murder looks exactly like suicide. Except for one thing. What? On the palm of each dead man, we found a curious mark. A circle with a small cross under it in some kind of purple ink. Oh, by the way, do you know a Lester Smith from the fifth floor? He's the latest victim. No, I don't. Circle and cross. Mm, where are the cups? Hmm? Oh, in the cupboard over there. Oh, thanks. Almost been driving me to drink. And, uh, where's the milk? You just open the service door there. Do some morning papers and left outside. Good. Hey, Cranston. What kind of paper do you subscribe to, anyway? The Globe? Why? No, no, not the Globe, this other one. The one printed in purple ink on grey paper. I thought it was an advertising circular at first. Absolutely. Hmm. Grey paper? Let me have a look at that. Yeah. It's lying underneath the globe. <laughs> I've never subscribed to anything like this, Commissioner. Well, I've never seen a paper like that before. Mm-hmm. Seems to recall the room. Exactly. And do you notice the date on top of it? 33rd lustrum in the ninth sequence of the sixth epoch. <laughs> what that's supposed to mean? <laughs> I don't know. The turbitality enemy of arch ascension master, benign as Fraser Blackburn, was yesterday aided to new life. Is that English? It's a kind of English. The kind futuristic writers claim our descendants will speak in a few centuries. Well, if this isn't the weirdest thing I've ever come across. A moment, Commissioner. Huh? Oh, good morning, my dear Mr. Cranston. Good morning. Apparently, you know my name. Why, yes, Mr. Cranston. I like to know my neighbors. My name is Brand. I am very much afraid you have my morning paper there, Mr. Cranston. Is this your paper? Look here, Mr. Brand, what's it all about? We're trying to make sense out of it. (laughs) 
It's really quite a simple matter. I happen to belong to a lodge. This is our news bulletin. We write in such odd fashion merely to be different. Ah, I see. Well, here's your paper, Mr. Bland. Only I don't see how anybody can understand it. Oh, it makes a great deal of sense for those who know how to read it. Good morning, gentlemen. Commissioner. Did you happen to see inside his flat? No, I was concentrating on the paper. It was weird. From what I could see, the furniture and decorations were something definitely not of this world. Now, Cranston, I tell you, I caught a glimpse of photographs on the wall. Hey, look out, the coffee's ball. And those photographs could not have been taken anywhere on this earth. Now, forget about it, Cranston. And you heard that music, didn't you? That weird, unearthly, inhuman music. Oh, it's probably all something to do with his lodge, Cranston. Now, don't let your imagination run away with you. There's your phone. All right, all right. Probably the department. They know I'm here. No, go ahead, Commissioner. Hello, Mrs. Weston. What? Not again. All right, I'll be right over there. You want to exercise your imagination on something real, Cranston? Hmm? Well, get your clothes on and come with me. There's just been another of those assassinations. Hello, Shanity. Where's the body? Right here, sir. All right, let's have a look at it. Uh, just like all the rest. Seems like a bona fide suicide, doesn't it? Yes, it certainly does, Commissioner. Pistol in the right hand, wound in the right temple. Powder burns and everything. Well, I'd believe it was suicide, O'Shaughnessy. It wasn't for that mark on his palm. Here. See a question? Yes. A circle with a small red cross on it. Uh, Commissioner... I was thinking, uh, perhaps all those other men and Mr. Blackburn here belong to a suicide club or something. Oh, wait a minute. What did you say his name was? Uh, Blackburn, uh, Fraser Blackburn. Fraser Blackburn. What's wrong with you? Commissioner, don't you remember? Uh, in Bland's paper this morning? All that mumbo-jumbo ray, well, what about it? That item about Fraser Blackburn being aided to a new life. Oh, yes, I say that's right. This is something we've got to find out about, Commissioner. Now, 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 wait a minute, Clanton. Now, did only your offer attention? That item might have meant that Fraser Blackburn was promoted to a fancy wake in his lawn. Mm, perhaps it could, but then again, perhaps it meant murder. But, Lamont, why the hurry? I'm trying to beat Weston to the punch. I want to ask Bland a few questions before Weston sees him. Why did you bring me back with you? First, tell me what you think of my story, Margaret. It's too fantastic, Lamont. Commissioner Weston was right. You are going off into a tangent. There must be some rational explanation. I hope so. And that's what I'm going to find out. Well, how? I want you to ring Bland's doorbell. When he opens the door, pretend you're looking for me. But you'll be with me. The shadow will be with you, Margaret. I'll go into that flat with Bland. You go back to my place and wait for me. Oh, all right, Lamont. This is it. Go ahead. Yes? What is it, please? Oh, oh, excuse me. Is Mr. Cranston here? I'm very sorry. You had the wrong place. Mr. Cranston lives next door. Oh, 
Oh, oh, thank you. Not at all, my dear. Good morning. It is strange. I have not... Who's in here? Who laughed? It is the shadow glass. The shadow? Oh, yes, I've heard of you. They say no man can see you. Evidently, that is true. I've been expecting you. What are you doing at that instrument panel? You shall soon see, Shadow. We can discuss your visit while my machines operate. Operate? Ah. I must have data on you, my dear Shadow. I cannot permit your invisibility to handicap me. I must know with whom I am dealing. No man knows the Shadow. But my machines will. And they will tell me. Listen. Two minutes will have you indexed, x-rayed, and photographed. <laughs> Exit the shadow. Yes, it's perfectly true, Margot. When Bland's machine started operation, the, the shadow fled like a thief. But why, Lamont? Bland may have been bluffing or telling the truth. I don't know. But I can't risk the shadow's identity being known until I find out more about what we're fighting. Oh, Mont, I, I just can't believe all the fantastic things you're implying about Bland. They just can't be. Perhaps, Margot, but then... Wait. Ah, Mr. Cranston, greetings. May I enter, please? Yes, come on, Bland. We were just talking about you. How very odd. I was just talking about you, Mr. Cranston. I have very bad news for you and the young lady. Our chief is displeased with you. What, what do you mean? Our chief is quite angry. Jupiter, I have never heard him so angry. The young lady should never have brought the shadow into my house. What's that? We know you and the young lady, Miss Blaine, is it not? Our friends of the shadow. Analysis of our historical tabulators has shown you have invariably brought the shadow into cases in which you are involved. Go on. It was a serious mistake so far as we're concerned, Mr. Cranston. We don't like it. Who are you? I see no harm in telling you, in view of what will shortly take place. Listen carefully, my friends, and try to understand. We are not of your world. Where we are from does not matter. We are not of your world. We look human, we play the role of human, but we are not of your breed. You sound like some kind of organization. How many are you? Perhaps three million to date. Yes, we are an organization. A secret one, you might say, but we have discovered the best way to keep a secret is not to have one. We come out into the open, my friends. We live with you and work with you. While you ignore us with frank, smug innocence, we, who appear to be your friends, your brothers, your fellow men, are preparing to take your world away from you. And those assassinations? Ah. You deduced that from our paper, eh? Most unfortunate that it fell into your hands. Unfortunate for you. Yes. As the years pass, too many humans like you begin to ask embarrassing questions. 
Some we put off with reasonable explanations. Others, like yourself, must be answered more strictly. Like Fraser Blackburn. And you're so sure of yourself that you're warning me. Merely so that you will accept your fate gracefully, my friend. So that you will not put us to the bother of pursuing you. You are surrounded by us. You do not know which of your friends, your enemies, your acquaintances, your neighbors. Maybe one of us. The chief is displeased and instructs me to end your curiosity. That means, as sure as this earth of yours will be ours, you will be dead in one hour. We'll return to the shadow in just a moment. But first, your announcer with a message. And now, back to the shadow. Lamont and Margot have just come out of his apartment building. A taxi is cruising past, and Lamont calls... Taxi? Hey, taxi, over here. Lamont, why are you rushing out of your flat like this? I, I feel like a fugitive. Get in, Margot. That's exactly what you are. 125 Park Road, driver. I'm taking you home right now. You don't believe that fantastic story Bland told us? I don't want to. But you do. Oh, Lamont. I've seen his flat. His fantastic scientific equipment. I'm confused, Margot. I don't know what to believe. What are you going to do? Fight. Millions of men? You may have been lying about that. I don't know. All I know is you don't have to fight an army. You'll fight its generals. If I can get Bland, we won't have to worry about his organization. How are you going to do it? The first thing is to get you home where you'll be safe. We'll work out a code signal so we can phone each other and be sure to whom we're talking. All right, people. Out you get. So soon? Hey, just a minute. You've made a mistake. There's no mistake. I said 125 Park Road. You've taken us to the middle of the park. And it's starting to rain. I don't want to take a walk in this weather, driver. This isn't any mistake, Mr. Cranston. Get out. Come on. You mean you... That's right. The boss has ordered your execution. So get out. Both of you. You've got two minutes to say goodbye. Don't try any tricks. I'm pretty quick with a gun. Lamont, what are we going to Take do? Easy, Margot. Tell nine to center. Check. Go ahead. Have Cranston and Lane. Carry out operation. Hey, did Bland instruct for Mark on pounds? We'll check. Well, Harry, I'm in the middle of the park. Won't be interrupted. No instructions on Bland. Carry on. Acknowledge. All right, people. Here's where you get it. The lady first, the gentleman first. All right. Pity you got too curious. That's a dangerous Now. We'll be safe inside now. Okay. Uh, 
This is much better. Oh, I'll feel best of all in Commissioner Weston's office. Mr. Cranston! Hey, Mr. Cranston! Hello, Mom. Hi, Halliday of the Globe. Don't you live in the building where they found that assassination case this morning? Oh. Well, what about it? Oh, can you give us some information? Did you know the dead man ever visited him? Know anything about his family? How was he off financially? Now, look here, Halliday. I'm busy right now. Can't just wait until later. Oh, give me a break, Mr. Cranston. You know me from way back. I've got to get some information on this case. Later, I tell you. Come on, Margot. Margot! Margot! Honey, she just vanished in the crowd. It was a trap. You arranged this, you and Bland. Mr. Cranston, what's the matter? I've known you for years, and you turn out to be one of them. Go back to Bland. Tell him I'll find Margot, and I'll find him too. Margot! 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 What in blazes do you... Oh, it's you, Cranston. Has Margot been in here? Plain? No. What's up, Cranston? Bland's got hold of her. Bland? You mean that hopeless focus character? He's something a lot worse than that. Come along, Commissioner. We've got to get to his flat. First, now, for the love of heaven, wait a minute. There's a chance Margot may be there. Cranston, Cranston, please don't rush me this way. What on earth has got you so excited? Nothing much. Nothing but kidnapping, mass murder, invasion, death and destruction. Hardly anything at all. Come along, Commissioner. I'll explain on the way to Bland's. This is simply fantastic. Am I supposed to believe your story? Why not? No one really knows what goes on in the world around them. They think they do. They make assumptions. Just because a house looks like a house, they believe ordinary people live in it. But how do they do for sure? Well, here's Bland's flat. Inside quickly. The door's open. Oh, I don't like this. No, neither do I. Hey, hey, hey. This place has been stripped bare. Yeah. Just an empty flat. Bland flown the coop. I was afraid of this. I tell you honestly, Cranston, I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. All right. Come along, Commissioner. Where to? We've got one last chance of locating Margot and Bland. They're probably at the headquarters. But how do we know that? What's your idea? We'll pick up that taxi driver's cab, the one who attacked us in the park. All right, then what? I start driving it across town and dry and compact their headquarters and the car radio. But how is that going to help? If I can keep the taxi and the dialogue going long enough, your police radio direction finders may be able to get a line on the source of their broadcast. It's a long chance, but it's the only way to find Margot. If she's still alive. All right, Cranston, I've got you a police escort. I'm going to let this cab fly out, rain and all. Direction finders ready? Yep. Go ahead with the radio. Pray for me. I'm too busy worrying about my own skin. These streets are like glass. Here's the 09 reporting. Reporting on death of Cranston and Lane. Report one hour late. Explanation. Cranston put up a fight. Continue. I got them both. One moment. Kelsey 09 reported killed in car accident one hour ago. Explanation. That's impossible. Margot Lane reported brought to headquarters half an hour ago. Explanation. I tell you, you'll make some... Mr. Cranston, but not quite clear enough. Blast. You'll be interested to know we're going to use Miss Lane as a bargaining point for the shadow. Bland, listen to me. You'll also be interested to know you forced us out into the open, Mr. Cranston. Your rash interference has precipitated our attack. It will begin very shortly. I am happy to say you will be one of the first victims of your breed. Switched off. Do you think the direction people had enough time, Commissioner? I'll stop the car. We'll find out from the direction patrol. They're right behind us. Come on. 
Hard Rogers, Charlotte. Any luck? Yes, sir. We veered just enough to make a location, Commissioner. The broadcast seemed to come from a spot on the coast. The old Venus Island Carnival. Venus Island Carnival? Come along, Commissioner. This looks like it. Benson! Benson! Hey, Benson! Over here! Where? Oh, well, did you find anything? No, not yet. You know, this storm's getting worse. It's exposed out here. An empty summer carnival doesn't offer too much color. Wait, Commissioner. Hmm? Well, let's stop this wild goose chase. The direction squad must have miscalculated. Then I didn't order the special riot detachment down here. It's not a wild goose chase. You'd better get to a phone and call your patrol cars. Uh, what do you mean? Look down towards the shore. That old freak exhibit. The men from Venus. Do you see it? Yes. And that mark on the sign, it's a circle with a cross under it. Yes. That's the astrological symbol of the planet Venus. It's the mark we found on the palms of those dead men. Send out that call for your cows, Commissioner. This is what we're looking for. You can see fresh tracks in the muddy ground leading into place. All right, you wait here, Clinton. I'll be back in about five minutes. I'm afraid I can't, Commissioner. Because in one minute, Mr. Bland and company is going to receive a visit from the Shadow. interest you, I'm sure. Over here are our files, the records of our members, their names, addresses, and achievements. And those switchboards? They are our communication trunks. All over your world, our members are calling in, reporting, receiving new orders, instructions. Second by second, our work goes on in its minute detail, and second by second, the end of your world draws closer, closer, closer. I don't believe it. I won't. That does not matter. It is a fact. It will be. I don't believe you see what you are. From another world, you'll find us criminals masquerading as aliens. And what if we are, Miss Lane? What is the difference? You will lose your earth, and we shall gain it. <laughs> Who's that? We've met before, Bland. A shadow? Yes, my friend. It is the shadow, laughing at you. Laughing at the insane grandeur of your plans that will come to nothing. The shadow in here? Impossible. The shadow is here, Bland. There is no secret that can be kept safe from the shadow. No, this, this is impossible. Deep underground in this hideaway, under tons of sand with the naked sea pounding against the walls of your cavern, you hope to bury your secret trade of murder. But the shadow has ferreted you out, Bland. <laughs> the shadow, no. It won't help you. It won't help your breathe. You are trapped, Bland. Listen. Faintly, you can hear the scream of police sirens surrounding the entrance to this place. In minutes, they will descend to ring you out like a sponge. Every secret, every name, every plan. The police? <laughs> no! Don't move, Bland. I have moved as far as I need. You see this switch, shadow? Look when with your invisible eyes... There are explosives set in the outer walls that keep back the sea. When those walls are broken, the sea will come in here. You will learn nothing from us, nothing. You would murder all those people or beings in the other room? Why not? They are merely pawns. I have my own way out of here. And once I am out, I can build another organization. Get away from that switchboard. Too late. I have thrown the switch. Listen. There go the charges in the outer walls. The sea will be in here soon. Oh. Quick, Margot. Out. Take my hand. Yes, you have won for the moment, Shadow, but it is only a delay. We will be back. 
place with Miss Lane is a miracle to me, Cranston. No, not a miracle, Commissioner, but certainly a close call. And you say everything down there was destroyed? Yes. Equipment, records, all those people. Everything is lost in the morass of sand a hundred feet beneath the ocean. Everything but land. He said he had a way out. That's all right. We've got men posted all over the... Commissioner, look! Hmm? Over there, someone running. It's bland. He did get out. Stop him! As soon as he gets him in, ask him! He's down! Come on! This way! Come on! That's the end of Bland. No matter what he was, he died like a man. But Lamont, which was he? A man or, or what he claimed? Margot, I really don't know. We have no way of disproving anything he said. But if he was telling the truth, there are many more like him still on Earth. It doesn't matter. Without leadership, they'll collapse. Just a little vigilance will be enough to keep them in check. But we've got to be vigilant. We've got to walk with care. Act with caution. Death may lurk just around the corner for us. And we'll never know. In a moment, I'll return with further news of the shadow. But first, your announcer. You have been listening to the thrilling adventures of The Shadow. One man's relentless fight against the forces of evil. This feature was devised to demonstrate to old and young alike that crime does not pay. Produced by Red Johnston of Grace Gibson Radio Productions. A masterpiece of suspense. That was The Shadow and the episode Out of This World here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that, as we said in our opening, comes from the Australian version of The Shadow, originally broadcast uh, in Australia in 1951. Mm -hmm. Also a listener request from David who wrote to us and uh, wanted us to do this particular episode that was Mm -hmm. written by Alfred Bester, who... Joshua uh, found out in his research, did a lot of work for DC Comics. A lot of stuff. And from what I read, he created a number of really big DC villains, at least. Vandal Savage, if you're a DC fan, you know who that is. Solomon Grundy. Um, I read that he originated the Green Lantern's Oath. Wow. When he recharges his ring. This is some big deal stuff here. Watching Tim, when you're saying this stuff, is like, 
eight-year-old on Christmas morning over there. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I, I know Solomon Grundy is from that song. Saving the world from Solomon Grundy. You don't know that song? Superman never had any. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's the only reason I know that name. I was a Marvel kid. Oh, Tim's song... face did not light up like an <laughs> no, eight-year-old when you no. said that. Uh, anyway, wow, there's a lot to talk about. A really mm-hmm. interesting fact that you brought into this in the opening that I did not know. Am I to understand that this was the last episode broadcast of The Shadow in Australia? According to what I read in Martin Graham's big shadow book, this is the very last episode. That will help me a lot and change some opinion I had. I don't know that it was selected specifically as the last episode. Well, it certainly should be because they have introduced into the universe of the shadow the possibility (laughs) of alien life, which changes everything. (laughs) But keep in mind, this is is adapted from a script that was just plunked in the middle of the American shadow run. They did this in... Yes, this is just... They retitled it. It originally was called uh, Death is Just Around the Corner or something like that. It's a terrible idea. They leave an out... It has in one of my most favorite lines where Margot is like, oh, do you really think it's aliens or is it criminals? And uh, the shadow says something along the line like, it doesn't matter really. Both (laughs) are the same. Like, no, it does matter. There's (laughs) aliens and then there are human criminals. Plus, you're not putting my mind at ease by telling me, well, they no longer have a leader. So they're all good. (laughs) Just down to 299. (laughs) It's a terrible choice to introduce the possibility of alien life into the shadow universe it affects everything. Just the possibility that they're not sure affects everything. And now they've got to approach everything differently because now <laughs> they have this lingering thought in their head. Oh, my God, millions of aliens might be on this planet. Now that becomes the story for their whole life. They're going to go crazy. They're going to lose their minds. That's a whole different direction to take this. That's a terrible idea. But that's classic shadow where they forget about it after the next right. episode. <laughs> well, what was the thing he said? What do we do now? And this is Be a paraphrase. vigilant. I'm going to paraphrase it. Uh, just live in horrible paranoia. <laughs> but yeah, he basically says, we'll never know. And if they're scrolls or not. Yeah. I mean, you could know. They shot him. They could do an autopsy, a classic alien autopsy, and find out whether he's human or not. He's not comforting at the end no. of this. Like I was really hoping for a classic shadow ending where they were a crime syndicate pretending on this Venus carnival island. They provided that for people like you who could just like <laughs> take that and curl up in their bed and feel okay about you it. You can't introduce that concept into this it's, universe because it becomes a whole new story. It's the possibility story. of a concept. Still, that possibility, if we had but that possibility, between... we wouldn't be doing this podcast. We'd be freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> what's the difference between this and some of the crazy mad scientist stuff that a lot of the Because they're not from another planet. <laughs> All right. The gibbering things are way more disturbing than weird. Those were created by a guy in a laboratory, and then they killed them all, and they killed the guy, so we don't have to worry about them anymore. Fair enough. There's three million people still on the planet, possibly, that are aliens. Are you scared of aliens? (laughs) You seem really upset. I'm just saying, (laughs) if that was in the back of your head, everything you do would be affected from there on out. Lamont... uh, this guy needs to be released from this prison, and he's wrongfully... What does it matter? <laughs> what are we doing? I can follow that from then we... on, every cab you hail is like, mm, could be an alien. Right. <laughs> like, you just curl up in a ball, and you'd freak out. You'd become Robert Persig in the corner 
uh, just curled up in a ball. It's Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to function. But if this was the last episode, I love it. What I'm saying is, that's a great way to end it. How did the Shadow series end? Well, turns out aliens were probably inhabiting the planet, and he hung up his shadow cleats. <laughs> he just decided, what's the point? The universe is gigantic. All my work is nonsense. <laughs> I can turn invisible, so what? I like how you're reading this entire existential crisis. In it like, would be, though. It'd like be in a... Eric's version, Lamont Cranston just shoots himself at the end of this. He just gives up. What do you want? Margo finds him hanging in his room. But you would. You'd be like, oh, my God, what is the point? Let's, let's talk move. about the rest of it. Let's accept yes, this storyline. Because, it, I mean, that's t- part of why David uh, suggested this, because this is an outlier for The Shadow. This is right. pretty hardcore science fiction for The Shadow. But we did discover that at the same time frame in Australia that was going on in America, there was an obsession with milk. <laughs> <laughs> What's with the milk? You got any milk? Yeah, yeah. I got some milk. Yeah. Go get some milk. I really like that scene where Weston just shows up and putzes around his kitchen and makes himself coffee and goes through his mail, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny to listen to the shadow and to hear all these different voices and the accents. So there was some acclamation. Lamont Cranston's (laughs) flat. And I was like, that's it, I'm out. (laughs) You know, thank God, though, thank God that the alien moved in next door to him (laughs) to make things so much easier for him to solve this crime. There's three million. The odds are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> did, did either of you guys recognize the symbol of circle with a, a cross under it as being Venus? Yes. No. It jumped out at me almost to the point of like, uh, do they mean like my palm was a lady? Yeah. Then I went, oh, aliens, Venus. Yes. Yeah, I didn't catch any of that. <laughs> nope. I just went, oh, why, why does he have his neighbor's purple newspaper? Well, part of me wondered, I I happen to know that uh, David, who recommended this, works for the Postal Service, and I thought perhaps he was attracted to this story because it all gets kicked off by faulty mail delivery. (laughs) (laughs) Well, did I hear right that it was purple ink on gray crepe paper? I didn't catch that. It was, I think, gray ink on purple paper or something. It was gray and purple were the two colors. And then when I was asking, like, do you subscribe to this? And the grandson was like, I would never subscribe to that. (laughs) With a (laughs) garish crap. (laughs) Look at the color of that. No. Black and white for me. (laughs) I do like the serial killer take at the top. I was like, oh, there's a serial killer who's marking his victims with this the symbol, and we're going to figure this thing out. So now I'm in. And then the neighbor comes over, and it sucks because when you don't introduce a lot of things, you automatically know the neighbor's the guy. <laughs> you know, there's not any time to introduce <laughs> like anything open else. open the door to that strange music. So, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> like a cat having a stroke in there. <laughs> To me, my aha moment was after I listened to it once and then read about Alfred Bester and his comic book writing history. I was like, this has those big, bold strokes mm-hmm. and story shortcuts of a 1940s comic book where, mm-hmm. you know, one panel they're in Lamont's flat, the next panel they're barging in, and I can see like the 1940s illustrations of this futuristic <laughs> pad that right. Bland has with all the uh, photographs of places that aren't on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> in frames. 
<laughs> holding hands with something with four eyes. <laughs> it's really awesome in that way, and that it is not what I expect out of the shadow, but a lot happens in it. Car chases. There's evil Australian Shrevey. <laughs> yeah. Well, that I wrote that down. Is that yeah. Shrevey? Yeah. There's like an abandoned carnival hideout. There's a comic book element <laughs> for you at the right. end, and it it really seems to move from event to event a little faster than some of the mm-hmm. shadows that I'm used to. Yeah. I mean, it's hokey as hell. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but I'm fascinated by putting together this writer's background with what this end result is. And maybe I'm reading too much. Into no, it. no, it's, it's, and the idea of like, well, let's get the police to use their radio direction finder. <laughs> yeah, that is totally out of a Batman <laughs> comic book. <laughs> Did Australia police have a radio direction finder? Mm-hmm. To but going back, we talked last week about the shadow and Orson Welles' shadow in the beginning, uh, years of it, having those moments of being infallible and heroic and sometimes being actually scared or mm-hmm. powerless in some situations and how they went back and forth. I think it was really interesting that this shadow has moments where he says, Damn. Yeah, no, he runs the gamut <laughs> oh, of emotions, and I really enjoyed that. Once I yeah. acclimated, like you said, to his performance, but then once Margot gets kidnapped and he's paranoid that anyone and everyone could right. be a yeah. Venusian. <laughs> Which goes back to my original point. <laughs> then he's freaking out. The commissioner has a great moment where he gets the phone call, by the way, in the Shadow's apartment, so they knew you were there. Like, uh, call me at... The Shadow's house. Yeah, you're like, are they having an affair? You left his number. I'll be over here going through his mail. Yeah, so crime uh, scene two floors up. So. <laughs> right, right. So they call him there, which is all weird enough as it is. But when he gets the news there's been another murder, he's so put out and annoyed by it. Ah, I just found the milk. <laughs> <laughs> as if I didn't have enough to do. All right. There's another funny moment when bland scientific equipment is able to detect the shadow, and the shadow just runs. <laughs> it's just you... like, crap! Right. <laughs> Stupid joy for me when the little computer is going through all the details and mentions that he is 78 degrees Fahrenheit. I, That's really cold. <laughs> <laughs> the, the episode is continuing, but I'm thinking, like, does he alter his body's temperature to enhance his visibility so he's not emitting a warm spot? That's giving it way too much credit, I think. I enjoyed it. Yes. But maybe that's the internal temperature of Australians. Oh. Can we Google that? You know, the water goes down the drain wrong. Yeah, body and, and don't Google wrong. inside Australians. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the computer that knew everything, what's the point of the computer having different voices? Six different voices you know, churning. A lot of kids in the high school, they all need parts. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just showing off their technology. <laughs> How many series do you need? Yeah. And if this is a criminal secret society, it is the worst secret society <laughs> ever. Where it's just like, let's just throw open your door and play your weird music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what was the plan? <laughs> to kill people one at a time? Who found out that they were there, which is oh. much of a plan, but we never know. <laughs> okay, well, it's I more didn't... of a reaction. But apparently, well, you're going to start with infiltrating three million of us into the population. Then we become <laughs> complacent. <laughs> when we're roughly half a percent of the world. Right. You've already won. Because in 1945, there was only five million. <laughs> we don't know much, do we? <laughs> we know old-time radio, and that's it. <laughs> but it's true, though, what Tim said. 
you got a great start. Now what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. I mean, unless it's like three million of the poorest, most uninfluential people in the world. I just, in general, had a lot of struggles with this. Forget that it's different actors, because I actually ended up warming up to them mm-hmm. and got used to it. So it's not that. I understand that they didn't write this story, that it was taken from an American version so you can't say oh you don't even know how to write I just don't... stupid australians <laughs> right. it's just in general i don't like this plot it has a lot of holes it doesn't have any context there's no purpose behind anything that's going on i really struggled with the story itself the only time i really had a hard time with the accent and i had to back up is after the cab driver turns on uh, margo and lamont and uh, lamont is grappling with the gun I swear the first time I heard it that Margo said, Lamont, look out for that cow. And I had to go back to hear, oh, it's car with an Australian accent. But at first I imagined this huge Australian cow. Just barely out of the street, running people over in a car. Marsupial call. (laughs) The other moment that made me just laugh is when Bland is shot dead trying to escape. So presumably he's running away. And presumably the police, like, shoot him in the back. And then Lamont says, no matter what he was, he died like a man. <laughs> like, no, he didn't. It's a weird... Screaming and running away. <laughs> That's a weird moment, too. Like, it's all wrapping up. Like, well, he said he had an escape route and he's probably out there. So you think, yes, we're leaving this open to possibly future yeah, the, running. Oh, there he is. Game. Shoot him. <laughs> it's like... They're writing and wait, wait, no, 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 no. This is the last one. And we can't have the alien leadership running around the planet because that will screw up the entire shadow universe. So shoot them. You can't introduce aliens into the shadow universe. <laughs> so there probably maybe was implied a scene where all the other aliens get the news. And, uh, <laughs> let's, let's go just home. acclimate. <laughs> <laughs> Get jobs and try to fit in. (laughs) All right, let's vote. Unless someone's got. (laughs) Joshua, you start, Shadow fan. I mean, this does not stand the test of time, but this is fun and it is of historical interest for sure. And I think that's the spirit in which David presented it. It's bizarre. But you know me. I much prefer this over a really dull run of the mill, the Shadow fighting. A mobster. As ridiculous as it is, you never know what the hell's going to happen in each scene, <laughs> which doesn't make it a classic or even stand the test of time, but really fun to listen to. I would put that same thing. It, it is a sort of old style of sci-fi slash comic book adventure applied to Pulp Hero, and they don't necessarily fit together well, but it is so much fun to see that salad being thrown into the air. That's <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> In, in some ways, it reminds me it's paced like a comic book or even a Doctor Who series episode. Or just... Well, back off. Uh, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> is this what, too far. <laughs> is this what Doctor Who is like? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the, the rationale of this, three million of us, but if we just kill the leader, it'll be fine. That struck me as kind of It Doctor is the old school science fiction thing. It's hand wavy. Yeah, we want to make the stakes impossibly high and yet reasonably solvable doesn't stand the test of time from uh, a story standpoint uh, definitely not a classic I will say it's of huge historical significance everything that we <laughs> <The> s- <aliens. laughs> everything that we said in the top where 
learning about how Australia was put a ban on uh, radio broadcasts being imported and how they got around that, that Bester wrote this. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in here that's super interesting to learn and know. Sometimes we get caught up and don't realize that radio drama wasn't just here (laughs) during its heyday. It was... Uh, all over the world. So yeah, there's a lot of things that I really enjoyed learning about. Having listened to it, I was glad to listen to it. But as a story itself, as you probably would have guessed, I just am mad at it. (laughs) I knew it too. Eric's just going to hate this. I just did not. I was so mad at it the entire time. So that's what I think. But I will say learning all that was extremely worth it. And I am going to go listen to more Australian Shadows. I want to hear some more before I go, well, they got it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is the home of this podcast and all the other episodes that we found there. You can, uh, from there, contact us. We have a little contact page. You can comment on episodes. You can also reach out to us through our social media links, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, You can also find there information about our live shows. If you're in the Twin Cities area, you can come see us do live versions of classical radio scripts. Yeah, and go to iTunes and write us a review. Please, we love reviews. Um, also, you can support us on patreon.com slash themorals. Uh, David, who uh, recommended this, is a Patreon supporter, and we appreciate now that. I feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that to make Eric feel bad. Yeah, uh, I loved uh, it. It's a really good script. Uh, Yes, we have all sorts of great rewards on that uh, Patreon page. Uh, Buttons, uh, membership cards, this monthly secret podcast. So please uh, consider supporting us. Why do you think they kept Area 51 a secret from us? Do you realize if we knew what would happen, we would all stop functioning? It would be over. I'm going to edit this out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Coming up next is The Mysterious Traveler. Yes, in an episode called The Haunted Trailer. Until then...